The secret of a happy marriage is finding the right person. You know they're right if you love to be with them all the time. Welcome to Wattcast. I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town. That quote is from Julia Child, who was married to American diplomat Paul Cushing Child for 48 years. Finding the right person to marry, let alone staying married to that person for a long time, has become for many a challenge. And despite all those dating sites and apps, oftentimes technology alone cannot help us find that special love that may lead to marriage. After her own experience, finding the right man who could truly be a life partner, Barry Lyman set out to help others through her book and her coaching program, Meet to Marry. We can't wait to hear her advice. Barry, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to talk to you about Meet to Marry. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Charlene. I'm really excited to be here with you. Well, let's start out by uh, telling us what personal experiences led you to create Meet to Marry. Oh, sure. So I I found myself really relationship-challenged for a long time. I found myself attracting and dating people who were always long for me, you know, from the very beginning. My first boyfriend, I was in love in high school. I was 16. I thought I'd arrived and felt really wonderful and healthy and normal, but he turned out to be gay. (laughs) And I went on from there in college. I met someone, and I thought he was the one, and, you know, it turned out, he turned out to be, in spite of being very successful and handsome and charming, he turned out to be a closet heroin addict. Oh, dear. So I was there for, oh, dear, yeah. Um, and, and it went on from there. I dated emotionally unavailable people, narcissists, um, someone who was wonderful but didn't share my religion, and I wish that he would convert. And at the end of the day, with all of them, I always felt the same way, that there was something wrong with me and something needed to change. And I, I basically, I hit bottom with the last one when I was 35, and he was really awful and mean to me. And I saw myself at that time really as the common denominator of my relationship history, you know, that it wasn't, it wasn't the men, it was me. And so that really set me off on a, on a new path of changing my life where I realized I would end up, you know, always like this, never knowing the future, feeling frustrated, like I, I wouldn't have a family and I'd never, I'd never have a safe, healthy relationship. So that's really how it all started. So what were, the first, I, what were the first steps you took when you decided to change? The first step I took was to really understand what it was about me that was attracting and inviting in these people. Mm-hmm. Because I was, maybe like a lot of your listeners, readers, I was very self-aware. You know, I knew I had a therapist. I was on and off in therapy from 12 years old because my father was bipolar, my mother hard of hearing. It was like a lonely kind of scary childhood. Mm-hmm. So I realized I needed to stop doing what I was doing and do something different. So I stepped away from this addictive pattern that I had of, just going with the flow <laughs> and chose me and off I went. And I started studying really 
what it was that went into a healthy relationship because I was clueless. <laughs> I had no, I had no um, examples or healthy modeling of that. And I went on that path. I hired a, a life coach and a mentor, and I, I tried to put the pieces together for myself because I was, again, positive, optimistic, an expert on codependency and people leaving. But what I discovered is knowing what's not working, it doesn't solve the problem. So I realized I had to solve the problem in a way that was practical and real, the same way that I had created a business, you know, mm-hmm. the way I had solved other things. And that's what I did, and it, and, and it worked. <laughs> and I met my husband, <laughs> so it was great. So you say that the rules of dating have changed. Can, can you explain that? Oh, of course. So the way people used to date and meet people... In years past, you know, way back before the advent of online dating, is people would meet in their communities. You know, they would meet at their church or their synagogue or, you know, through their families, and they would marry young. And what really brought them together was was values, core values. Because mm-hmm. if you meet at your synagogue, right? right? And then the people, how you would meet them is, through community, people who know you, who know the person. So we didn't have, you know, so many options. And I think today it's changed because people do have new options. And I think it's even better today. I think that these new options give lots of opportunities that were not available in the past. And what are some of those new options? So... I believe, I think online dating is amazing. Mm-hmm. I think technology is wonderful and the world is now flat and you can meet people outside of your, you know, outside of where you live. So when, I, I love online dating, but I think people don't use it the right way. I think online dating is amazing because it presents a plethora of people, multitudes of people who are single, and so when you know how to use it in the proper way, and you know how to sort and screen, I think it's amazing that you can meet people that do share your values, that want what you want, that have a similar worldview, but again, you have to know how to use it in a way that works for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, and what would some of the tips be on how to use those sites. So I think all the sites are great. People tend to be critical about them, but the sites are not designed to educate a person about how to find the right person. Really all they do is, you know, they all have different um, algorithms and chemistry. At the end of the day, people need to become empowered daters. And the way you become an empowered dater is to really know yourself know what you need in a relationship, in a conscious, healing relationship. Because most of the people I work with are marriage-minded or relationship-minded. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're done. They want to find a person with whom they can feel safe and cherished and, you know, who shares their vision. Like, they're done. They're not just looking for something short-term. Mm-hmm. They want something real, right? So when you know yourself and you know what you need, 
and you're not looking for, you're not doing like mystery dating that I like to call it, then it could be amazing. So again, it starts with knowing ourselves and what we need. And most people think they know what they need in a relationship. But most people in my experience really have no idea because no one ever taught us. So do you think that marriage is as important to young people today as it was to their parents and their grandparents even? I think that it's even more important. Okay. <laughs> I think that in this complex world, I think that having a partner by your side who shares your vision, who has your back, who wants to build what you want to build, that's for, to build something real, then I think it is. I think it's super important, but sadly, a lot of people like myself, like, you know, a lot of people have not had that modeling and are either afraid of it and they want to wait and actualize themselves, like, much later in life. And I think they're making a big mistake because I think that when you get into a healthy relationship, that is the best, most healthy way to really grow and develop with a partner. And do men want marriage as badly as women these days? <laughs> my clients, yes, yeah. they do. Oh my gosh, they do. Because they get to a point when they are just tired of hooking up, of playing around, and they ultimately also crave this human connection and a deep partnership. But sadly, we, we all, men and women, get caught up in these patterns of attracting people who reflect their fears and their limitations. <laughs> so a lot of conventional thinking says you got to conquer men. You got to, like these myths, you got to get inside the minds of men, you know, get him to chase you, learn how to flirt. I think that's wrong and bankrupt because men, you know, they get stuck in these patterns also. And they say to me, why is it that I only meet women who are not wanting a real connection? who just want something short-term, and then I end up feeling used and stuck and depressed, men. Men say that. Men, men say that every day to me. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Because we can't lump them in and say, oh, men are all players and low-quality and avoidant and, you know, afraid of intimacy. It, it's just not true. There are just as many women who are avoidant and afraid of intimacy as men, it's just women, we're all talking about it. <laughs> That's what, in my experience, is really happening. Men don't have such an outlet. So, you know, they too stay busy. They look around, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah, the, same has, kind. Of has the Me Too movement uh, affected dating? Oh, oh. Well, has it affected dating? Well, I think that it it could affect. Let me let me let me see. No one's ever asked me that question. The Me Too movement is having men who are like just out of integrity, and I think that when we heal ourselves, you know, as a, you know as people, I think that you know we could be more authentic and really have the relationships that we want. 
it's really sad that this is going on because there are some there are men that are doing amazing things in the world and they're showing up in a way that's so awful and out of integrity. I know I've I've heard from some men that uh, it has affected how they approach dating um, and you know making the first move or whatever. It makes them a little bit uh, apprehensive. Yeah, I could definitely get that. But actually, when we're being real and we're communicating our truth and in a way that we can have a, a, a real connection that people can come together without feeling like, you know, they have to hold back or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that, that that's really what, what needs to happen. You say that timing is everything. Does that mean that unless you are truly ready to meet a life partner that you probably won't? I think that we need to be marriage-ready, relationship-ready in a way that we really know ourselves, that we're not carrying around a lot of baggage and incompletions and things from the past that are actually causing us to attract the wrong people. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I think that we're not looking, I don't think it's important to be ready in a way that, you know, like our closets are half empty or we're running around trying to find the person, but I think ready to be vulnerable, ready to be open, ready to be authentic, you know, having a very clear vision of what we actually need in a relationship. Because mm-hmm. most people are out there kind of just mystery dating, chemical attraction and interest. Oh, you know, did I have a good time? And do we like the same things? That's not the foundation for a lifetime partnership. You know, it goes much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. I, you know? I loved your marriage readiness quiz in the book, and I'm assuming that uh, you also use that in your in your coaching. Can you tell us a little bit about that, the purpose of the quiz, and how once people go through that, you know, possibly a light bulb goes off for them? Yeah, absolutely. So the marriage readiness quiz is really an assessment, and we look at 10 areas of marriage readiness about a person's life, both the inner and the outer. So when someone takes the quiz, takes the assessment, there are embedded healthy answers and answers that are not so healthy. So if a person is really telling the truth, you know, it's in some ways it's obvious what the healthy answers are, but when we're not really in that place, it's an opportunity for a major breakthrough. You know, when we can say that we're not really complete with someone from the past, maybe someone from five years ago, 10 years ago, even 20 years ago, you know, we think we're complete but we're really not, then there's an opportunity for growth and taking those steps to, to really be healthy, to really be ready. So once we ask that question, and in our coaching, we actually do it. <laughs> we clear all those areas one, one step at a time for persons to be able to be super healthy, super ready, and super vulnerable, you know, ready to step into a healthy relationship. Do couples talk about basic things before they deepen a relationship, like, for instance, how they feel about 
both partners working, uh, whether they want to have children, how they're going to manage money, where they want to live. Do all of those topics come up, and do you recommend that they talk about those things? Most people are not talking about those things. You know, conventional advice, which is so awful, tells people don't share too early that your marriage that your marriage minded. Don't share what you want because, quote unquote, you'll scare the person off. And I think that's terrible advice. They think that it's really important from day one to be clear about what you want and then to share it and compare and contrast with the person that you're dating, with the people, so that you don't waste time, so that you understand if it is a good fit. For example, if you know you want children, you want a big family, and you want to live in the, you, you really prefer to live in the country, and you practice your religion a certain way, you know, these are core values. Like, we, we never want to change or compromise on our core values, who we are. So, yeah, I suggest sharing what's true for you and asking the other person how they see things. And then if you're leaning into each other and you share a similar worldview, then it's great. But most people don't do it like that. They kind of wish and they hope, oh, she'll change her mind. Or, or, or that's not so important, you know, I'll just you know, give that up for the other person. And we know that it, it never works out. People mm. get married to people like that. And then we wonder why there's a 50% divorce rate. Right. That's why. So, yeah, it's really important yeah. to talk about those things. Yeah, and not have shame about it. To be proud of what you want and find someone who wants what you want. Has the current economic climate, uh, you know, affected whether people want to get married. I mean, I think of young people who uh, are still having trouble getting their careers started or marry, maybe are carrying a lot of college debt. Uh, are they holding back on marriage? I think they probably are holding back on marriage, and I think that that's a mistake. I think that the economic, you know, uh, climate changes. And times are good and times are more challenging. You're right. There's, there's college debt. There's, but at the end of the day, it's with a partner that you can achieve so much more. You know, when I got together with my husband, by this time, I already, I had a very clear vision. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I needed. And by working together, I had some debt when, when we got married. And I really, I actually didn't really care about it. I wasn't I wasn't worried about it, you know, that was not my my training. So together, because he was great at financial management, we got together, we partnered up, we decided to work on my business because it was virtual. And literally as a team, he took on all the things <laughs> that I'm not good at and we cleared up my debt very quickly. And now we achieve all of these amazing things together, projects, like living in another country for five years. We lived in Israel. You know, we moved to a five-acre property. We became plant-based together. But I could not have done all these things alone, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, and the New York Times, really, they, they wrote an article about this, that 
married people tend to be, you know, more affluent because they're able to build together and plan together. They're happier, they're healthier, healthier, healthy relationships. So, yeah, I think that we should, they should really be re-looking at that instead of waiting, especially because if they want to have children, if that's part of your vision, once you start waiting, you're looking at, you know, mid-30s, you know, it affects fertility. So I think a more practical, pragmatic approach would, you know, be better for our society. How does the Harry Met Sally uh, scenario fit into all of this? Do you find that there are couples that have been friends for a long time and then suddenly they say, wow, this is my life partner. I didn't even realize it. Nope. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what I know. That's I just in movies. <laughs> I think it's just in movies. It's really sweet and wonderful to see that. But at the end of the day, you know, what he said, I love how she is. I love her quirks. I love this. I don't want to live without you. All of those things. That is something that could happen at the beginning of a relationship instead of kind of waiting 20 years. Mm-hmm. Or 15 years to discover long that. A long time, yes. <laughs> a long time. But, but how he expressed it was, was so beautiful. Like, her imperfection is what he wanted. The way she was worked for him. But the rest of it, nah. <laughs> okay. Is it possible to remain friends with someone you once dated, or does that hold you back? Never. <laughs> I it, That totally holds you back. Okay. Male-female male, um, energy is intimate by nature. And so if someone is holding on to um, male friends, people that they've dated, they're actually getting their needs met by that person mm-hmm. in terms of emotionally. It doesn't even have to be obviously... I'm not speaking of a sexual nature, but we're different when we're friends with men. And it's, it's the same as true with men being friends with women. It definitely clogs us up. And <laughs> in my program, often people resist that. Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, if you want to find the one, then you need to have the inner space for that person. And, and that needs to be someone focused in terms of for dating, to date in a healthy way. Yep. How, how do the uh, ABC shows, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, affect all of this in terms of people's opinions about you know, meeting someone? <laughs> I have to admit, I don't watch those shows, but I hear about them. So, so from what I understand, it's, it's still pretty superficial, and it's conventional, and it's, um, I think that finding healthy love is really about having meaningful conversations. It's about really comparing and con- contrasting what you want. And most importantly, it's about how you feel with the other person. You know, instead of most people are just looking at, very superficial things. I want someone successful. I want someone who has his act together. I want someone good. But how do you really, how do you really assess that? 
So when people really do understand what they need and what they want, then it makes things really happen, you know, in a, in a genuine, in a genuine way. So I don't know about those shows, but it's a a competition too, which, uh, you know, puts another spin on all of this that you're not not out there by yourself. You're competing with all these other people to find that one true love. Oh, okay. So if that's the case, if it's a competition, I don't, I don't think that that's the right approach at all because each of us has certain qualities that we bring to the table. Everyone is so unique. So it is, it's not a competition. It's not about being skinnier. It's not about being smarter. It's not about being more successful. It's really about knowing that your person is out there who shares your vision, your values, and your goals. And it's knowing that you're perfect the way you are right now. And that if you're really focused, and I don't mean obsessed, I mean focused and clear that this is a life goal. Meeting the right person is is a goal like anything else, Mm -hmm. you know, like creating a healthy body, creating abundance. And I think that too is where society gets it really wrong is that it becomes more about, oh, when I'm this or when I'm that or if only, that's when I'll find the person. But we have to flip that around. You're ready to find the person now as you are. So there's like nothing to fix and there's no one to compete with because your journey, you know, we each have a unique journey when it comes to love. How does going through a divorce affect a person's desire and ability to move on and and find another life partner when your first life partner didn't work out so well? So I think it comes down to personal responsibility. When a life partner did not work out, there's a reason. And we can look at those reasons and get clear about those reasons because we tend to marry people, you know, like Harville Hendricks explains in his book, we tend to marry people who are the person that kind of reminds us unconsciously of our upbringing, of our parents. Mm So when people are getting divorced, they're so relieved and they think they're getting rid of the problem and that all they have to do is go out there again and do the same thing and they'll do a better job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the end of the day, that's not what happens. You know, we tend to remarry or get back into a relationship with a new person, but with whom we feel the same way. So that's where it comes down to what is it about me that attracted this person why didn't it work out? Because really the elements of readiness are maturity, generosity, and self-awareness. So if we're not those things, then we tend to um, project that onto the person that we're with, and it's very immature. Like, you don't, I don't love you anymore, or you're not doing this for me. But it's really not about that. It's about growing together, being on the same page, and, and nurturing a relationship and, you know, being real partners. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And and how does, uh, you know, growing up watching your parents' marriage affect your own views on marriage? It's everything. It's everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The the modeling 
that we see growing up becomes the landscape for us. And usually that modeling is is not powerful, is, is usually not what we want, yet unconsciously we're repeating that pattern. We are actually being our parents when we meet, when we date. That becomes the model. And, and, and people don't realize that they're doing it consciously. For example, if your parents fought a lot when you were a child, or maybe if your mom was critical, you know, or your dad was not available emotionally the way you wanted, it's crazy how it works. But we repeat that because it's familiar. Like we think we're being different and creating something. But in my experience, <laughs> we unconsciously repeat that, but we don't need to repeat it. We can create something new when we're ready and prepared. You know, I call it being an empowered dater and conscious. So we can do whatever. We can create something separate from the past without making our parents wrong in any way. We just do it differently. What happens if your parents had a wonderful marriage and, <laughs> and it becomes a challenge to find a similar situation? Exactly. So what happens is that's the flip side. That's the other half of the people <laughs> that I work with. Is that see, I thought the people who were challenged in relationships were always people like me who came from dysfunction and really had no idea. But on the other side are the people who came from parents who were married for a really long time and they stayed together and there was some good modeling. Those people have a terrible fear of intimacy because they don't want to make a mistake and they don't know how to recreate it. Like, how do you do that? And sometimes we look more deeply and just because people, parents stayed together for a long time, there are still ways that our needs, our emotional needs, you know, as children weren't met and we carry it. Mm-hmm. So we, we need to learn how, you know, how to find a healthy relationship without just putting it off and staying busy at work and saying, oh, it's not in the cards for me. You know, it's not, the dating sites are awful. There's only low quality players out there. <laughs> you know, we need to see that that's really a symptom of something deeper within us, our own fears. Mm-hmm. How does the dating landscape, how is it similar or the same for uh, uh, gay or bisexual people? I find it's the same. The same. I find it the same, yeah. Because we're human. We have fears. We have, we don't want to be hurt. Yeah, so my clients are gay, they're, they're whatever, they're the same, and they have the same challenges. So within that community, we want to have them also be ready and clear and know who they are and separate from the past and their childhoods and what other people think. So, yeah, I find it really to be the same, the same human condition, the same human problem in, in the gay community. Yep. I always find it so interesting that when we see a celebrity couple breaking yep. up and getting divorced, how that affects us, uh, even if we don't know them personally, and mostly we don't, but it 
somehow shakes our confidence that marriage or a long-term relationship is possible. Is that Does that ever come up? Well, I think that, you know, we see what's happening in the media and with famous people. And most of, most of us can see that, you know, we want to create what we want to create. And it is very disappointing. And I think it's important that we look at certain role models. I mean, there are married celebrity couples that are super healthy and great partners and they stay together, you know, through thick and thin because they're healthy Mm and they they work at it, they nurture it. So it's, it's sad when all relationships kind of dissolve and it probably does affect people because they're not rising above and, and seeing, like, we're not inside of those relationships. Like, we don't really know what caused the breakup or, or what really happened. So, yeah, I think it's about stepping away from, you know, conventional thinking and the media and the rules and really creating and modeling something for yourself that is what you want. Because it is totally possible to have a healthy a healthy and growing relationship. Barry, can you tell us about uh, one of your uh, clients, uh, obviously without getting too specific or mentioning names, and how you help them find their partners? Oh, absolutely. So my clients, they love to spread the word. They love to share. So I have a lot of love stories and success stories on my on the on my, my um, website. But one that comes to mind that I think a lot of your listeners will resonate with is Jody. So Jody is smart and she's successful and she lives in San Francisco. And when she first came to me, she was positive. She was sure. She would say to me, the men in San Francisco are not what I want. It's terrible. So many of them are success-oriented, they're building startups, so they focus on work, and then another big percentage of them are gay and on the dating sites, and you know, she had a whole story about it. She said, I want a certain kind of man, and she was from New York, and she said, I think I'm going to have to go back to New York to find that kind of person. Okay. And that was her thing, right? Right. She wanted someone with a certain vibe, and, and at the end of the day... Uh, we worked together. She did my, my program called The Clear Path to True Healthy Love. And she discovered what it was that was getting in her way. And she's very successful, like most of my clients. And she discovered what it was about her childhood that was getting in her way, her limited beliefs about herself, these unconscious things, a lot of which come out of this marriage readiness assessment and a reality check that we do. And now she's so, so, so happy. She met a guy on a dating site that lived very close to her. It turned out he'd been there for about seven years. He had the vibe that she wanted. It's funny. He was originally from New York (laughs) in a startup. (laughs) And it was just, it's so funny. But this is what all of my clients say. Oh, my God, you were so right. There are so many amazing marriage-minded men right where I live. So we don't change a person. What we do is, is we change their lens. We get them to their essence, to their truth, 
So they're not actually functioning like from the past, like a little person who's afraid of getting hurt, you know, so that they're really open and ready and vulnerable because our person, each of us has a person, you know, a right person where the timing is right and the whole package is right. And she is just thrilled, like so happy. I mean, it's interesting when you talk about <laughs> San Francisco, New York. Do you find that, that that comes up, that people think that it might be the city or the town that they're living in that's holding them back? All the time, yes. every single day, every single day. So here's how it works. There are people in New York. Oh, my God, there's so many choices. It's terrible in New York. Then they say that in L.A., they say that in Chicago. They say that in Bogota, Colombia, in Paris, in Jerusalem, in Tel Aviv. They say it all over the world because it's really a human thing in our culture. But And they also say it was so funny is I have clients in remote places like Saskatchewan in Canada. Wow. You know, Tina married. Yeah, we joke around. What's in Saskatchewan? There are 10 men and, you know, cows and... <laughs> But it's, <laughs> but it's not true. It's so not true. You can see Tina on my website, too. You know, we, we opened her up. You know, she was just very introverted. You know, self-esteem problems and not expressing herself and kind of hidden. You could say, okay, Saskatchewan. But it's not. It's, it's really not. Once she opens herself up and she got clear and raised her vibration, and, and she learned how to date in an inspired way, she got busy, and she met her guy, and they had a baby, and she's so happy, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's never, it's really, I've never had a, an experience where we couldn't, where it was where the person lived. It's always what's going on within us. It's fun, it's fun to see it. So, Barry, how how long is your program? I mean, if somebody came is listening to this and wants to sign up, is it, you know, is it a long-term commitment? How do you work it? No. So how I work it, it's a 90-day program. You know, we want to find love. We want to find it now. Why should we stretch it out? You know, I used to stretch it out to be a year, and, and it, it didn't make sense. So now it's the best it's ever been is that when someone is committed and they're ready and they're decisive. They can do this program within 90 days. They learn everything. We do the inner shift, the transformation within three to four weeks. And then we create a dating plan for them and a profile and one that is reflective of their truth because they become, you know, it's very, it's transformational. It's not informational. So when you have an aha moment, you have these shifts, and you're accountable. So really, it happens in 90 days. And then from the 90 days, within that, they're dating, they're getting feedback, you know, they're, they're experiencing it. And they're like, wow, this is so fun. This is so empowering. So 90 days. And then beyond the 90 days, they continue to get the support that they need as they're, as they're working through it in my momentum, in my momentum program. But everyone gets what they need and they, you know, they find what they want most night within a year. So once they go through that 90 days, how are they meeting people? I mean, do you recommend that yeah. they go on dating sites or just reach out in their community? Or So for each person, we create a plan 
and that's built into the program. We're doing that at like week four. Mm-hmm. We create a pro- we create a, a plan that is it's kind of like it's kind of like a business plan. Mm-hmm. We figure out their time, their schedule, how they work, what they're doing, and we create literally a plan that they can live into. And for most people, it's a combination of all of it. It's some online dating. It's some requesting introductions. Sometimes it's with events. But one thing we do is we fill their calendars with always things where they have things that they can look forward to. Mm. And they know at this point, so they're free of their baggage and their blind spots, you know, and those issues that they had that have been plaguing them for years that they thought were already handled. You know, like, my clients are very smart and successful at work, but when it comes to intimacy, it's, it's they're not, because that comes down to fears. And, and most of them have analyzed all of it in therapy. You know, they're self-aware, like I was. But the problem is, is therapy doesn't solve the problem. You kind of just analyze the past, and it feels good to have someone listen to you, but it doesn't change it. And that's not a therapist's skill set to help someone get there. So a lot of clients are therapists. So so for everyone, it's really fun to be in a community where you know how you're dating, you know what questions to ask, you're not inviting in people that are going to make you feel like you don't want to feel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and they feel empowered and supported. I get, you know, texts and in the community every day, like, wow, this is so fun. I know what to do. And then they bring their questions. You know, I call it their dating, their dating pipeline, you know, to our coaching. And it feels good. They're like, wow, this is so fun. This is different than anything. One client said the other day, I can't believe that I was in therapy for so many years and no one told me that this relationship, like, why it didn't work and that it really wasn't my fault. So she was carrying something for so much, so many years, guilt and upset that she thought she'd handle, but she hadn't. Mm. So there's lots of magic that happens that opens a person up to get to, to get to their truth, not to fix themselves. Cause there's again, nothing to fix. So when you're approaching it that way and you're peaceful, you're not needy or desperate or, you know, it's fine. You can see I'm pretty passionate about it. I can see that. Do you get invited to a lot of <laughs> weddings? A lot of weddings. <laughs> My husband and I go to weddings all the time. <laughs> we try. We like to combine like a wedding with a vacation, and we get a lot of obviously referrals that way. But it's totally, totally possible for anyone, regardless of their background, to have this healthy relationship, and it's. It's great to, to wake up with a person like that who's your real partner who has your back. And I feel blessed because I was so challenged. Like, it wasn't likely to happen for someone like me. And I'm living it for 15 years. Well, Barry, I think you are the best advertisement for what you do. And I'm sure yeah. your advice is going to inspire <laughs> a lot of people out there. So thank you so much for joining us today. Again, I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town. We've been speaking with Barry Lyman, whose book and coaching program is called Meet to Marry. Thank you so much, Barry. 
Thank you for having me, Shalina. It was amazing. Great. Bye-bye.